Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 36 of Motion Picture Pals, where we're going to talk about No Mad Land? No Mad Land, canonically the best movie of last year. Directed by Chloe Zhao, starring Francis McDormand, David Strathairn, Bob Wells, and lots of other people as themselves. Uh, Travis, I think you suggested this originally, right? Yeah, I had this on the list of movies we should watch for a while, because I saw it pretty early in the year, probably in January, and uh, I thought it was really good, so I wanted to watch it for a while, and then we finally got around to it. Now we've watched it. Uh, I agree. It was very good. I enjoyed it a lot. I felt feelings, but I'm, I'm, you know, it's one that I'm glad that I watched. I feel like, I think I said this during the last episode with Sound of Metal, but I feel like a lot of the the best picture winners and nominees are pretty forgettable. Like they're good movies, but they don't really kind of say or do a whole lot. Whereas this one, I thought, I, I don't know, made you think a little bit. Uh, and we will obviously get into that. But uh, yeah, what did other people think? Yeah, I really, really liked it. I also felt like it was saying things and addressing very timely concerns in a way that wasn't horrifically like prescriptive or like preachy which i feel like has happened in kind of like topical oscar bait films and this was just kind of it just kind of like got to be its own thing and i really liked all of the feelings and i loved all of the beautiful shots of i don't know the road and things like that it was good yeah i 100 percent agree and the thing with this film, um, I really, really love this film and I'm really glad I watched it because it was probably one of the most emotionally intriguing films I've seen for me personally in a really long time. Caleb was just throwing up and crying. (laughs) That's what it felt like. But, um, no, I, there was at one point I like almost had like an existential crisis while watching this film. Like it was really some more about that. What triggered it? How'd you work um, through it? I didn't. I'm just kidding. I was still in it. <laughs> I'm like floating. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, it just it was just really deep, and like I, I was just thinking about a lot of stuff, and I guess the film and the story just felt like really real, like not like Oscar Beatty or anything like that. It just feels like an actual story of an actual person that has gone through all this, and it was just it was beautiful. I loved the entire movie. But it was it was really good, and I'm really glad I watched it because this is like now one of my favorite films personally. Wait, yeah. so what was the crisis? We'll get to that later. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Why, why do we do this? Why don't we just do this now? Well, okay. To put to the to to kind of um, sum up what happened. Um, what was her name? You have hot dog in your mouth. I have a hot dog <laughs> in my mouth. I'm sorry. <laughs> Everyone listening, I'm sorry. But... What was her name? Who's in this movie? Yeah, who are the characters? Who are the characters? This yes. movie is based on a book. Um, yeah, okay, so Fern is the main character. That's Frances McDormand. Um, a lot of her friends in this movie, I believe, are the people who are uh, played by, or who are depicting themselves. Uh, mm-hmm. There's her okay, friend. Okay, side, side yeah, yeah, uh, question. Who, what do we know Frances McDormand from? Because I recognized the name and I recognized her face, but I just couldn't think of a single let me, movie. Let me pull it up. She's in a bunch of stuff. I look. I, I know she's very famous. I just I could feel. I mean, that. her husband is a director. You could feel the fame Ooh. raiding off of her. Well, yeah, but not in like a distracting way or anything. <laughs> it's uh, her husband is Joel Cohen. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Oh, wow. she, oh she's from Fargo. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. She's from Fargo, okay. but I mean, in a she's in a lot of other stuff too. Fargo, uh, Madagascar 3, Europe's Most Wanted, right. uh, Transformers, Dark of the Moon. <laughs> Moon Eyes Kingdom. That's the most iconic one, I would say. Yeah. The Good Dinosaur, Hail Caesar. Uh, you know. Right. Okay. Anyway, back to the movie. Sorry. Yeah. So her friend Linda is kind of the one who comes and goes and who's going to build the Earthship on her land in Arizona, if you remember any of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's the one that worked in, uh, I think... 
Badlands National Park is the one they work at together. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Either way. Yeah. Then there's her friend Swanky, who is the older woman who has cancer and who delivers just the fucking most heartbreaking monologue ever. In <laughs> oh this my movie. god! <laughs> that's Crying actually what so that's hard. what gave me the existential crisis. Yeah. Was just her okay. entire monologue was just yeah. Like we'll have we'll have a lot that. to say about that scene then. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Uh, there's David Strathairn's character is Kevin, I believe is his name. Uh. Just the the biggest adult on the planet. Bad, yeah. It, it says Dave. Dave. Dave, that's right. <laughs> Same thing. I don't know where it's I got fine. Kevin from. I, I don't know. There's it probably someone else named Kevin. Uh, and then there's all no, of. No, it the... says there are there are no people named Kevin in this movie. It's Fuck. the first Rip. line on the Wikipedia page. God <laughs> damn it! Uh, How'd you get that wrong, and, Cam? I'm a fucking idiot. That was actually the moral of the film. Yeah, there's no one one in this movie's Kevin. Yeah, Rebecca's about to come in from the other room and just kick my ass for the stupid. (laughs) Let's Um, go. Yeah, and then there's Bob Wells, who is like the RV guru. Uh, There's Dave's family and son, and then Fern's uh, sister and brother-in-law are kind of the the main characters. But anyways, I want to hear like... The existential crisis, Caleb. Right. It was it was all during Swanky's monologue. That entire yeah. thing. I was just like really, really, really deep into like listening what she was saying. And I don't know what just happened. I, I just like was just thinking about like everything in my life. Like all of that. And I was like, holy shit. I'm having an existential crisis. This only happened like me once before. So I kind of got excited. But <laughs> like, oh, it's <laughs> happening again. <laughs> Like, yep, tears come down my eyes, but I'm just really excited. No, I'm just kidding. Um, um, yeah, it was just that whole scene. It just, I just thought about it and I've been thinking about it since I've seen the movie too. And it was just so, so good and so beautiful and heartbreaking. And I just, I loved it. But at the same time, it was just so sad. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, yeah, let's just talk about this scene <clears throat> now. I think it's, it's natural enough that we just kind of continue this because. Rebecca, you like turned to me tearfully and you were like, I hate how capitalism like robs people of their dignity, which, you know, is obviously such a huge theme in this movie. I think, mm-hmm. you know, part of what it's saying is like. Uh, Someone I mean, can lose drawing... their entire livelihood in a second and have to figure out what to do. Right. And that like, you know, it's valid that people live out of their vans and that's, you know, Mm -hmm. a way that they reclaim some independence and some dignity, you know, and I think it's not for nothing, right. That basically everyone that we see in this movie is old. Yeah. Um, They're all like senior citizens. Uh, So there's even that element of, you know, their independence being so precious because that could also kind of go away at any time, which obviously is uh, really explored in that, scene where Swanky is sort of like explaining to Fern that you know she's not afraid to die and that she would rather go out you know on her own terms and like she can't afford the care anyway and yeah I mean but it is so incredibly sad that you know that decision needs to be made in the first place and I think I think my only like little quibble with the movie and it's like, it's not really significant and I don't think it impacted how much I enjoyed the movie really at all. But I do wonder, you know, if you're coming to this movie with like a sort of less, uh, shall we say developed, uh, political perspective, if you don't really understand what's driving things like, you know, uh, Mines to shut down in middle America and, you know, Amazon coming in to ostensibly save the day. I think it might be pretty easy for people to take the wrong message from this movie about like how it's good that Amazon like provides these temp jobs. And, you know, isn't it beautiful how people can like find themselves through adversity and, you know, hitting the road and basically becoming homeless because, I don't think that's what the movie's trying to say, but I think it's not terribly explicit in its condemnation of, you know, the system that make that that makes that stuff uh, necessary. 
Right. And I think I saw it more as like this person who essentially has nothing um, is just trying to find like a, a means to like make a little bit of cash or something. And then you have all these other people doing like the similar situation and like um, just kind of their lives and how they have to just be a part of that rather than like showing, I guess, like the exact effects of it. So it's just them going through their daily life and trying to figure out like what they should be doing. And then like, not necessarily Amazon, you know, showing, I don't know. I saw it more as just like a personal story of between the people. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think at its core, it is the personal story of Fern. It's Mm -hmm. just, I always, you know, I always kind of have to think about these movies that are like, a little more subtle or even just not totally explicit about yeah. any sort of political themes. Yeah. I mean, I guess I never really, um, what Cam, Cam, what you said, I remember reading some criticism about the film that was sort of in that same line of thought. And, um, like personally, I had a hard time, um, thinking through that, I'm not disagreeing. I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing, but like from my point of view, watching the film, I think I was probably projecting my own politics onto it. Um, like one of the early examples is like when, uh, Fern is in the Amazon warehouse place and she's like meeting with all the people and they sort of have their, their little huddle where they talk about, um, like safety rules and stuff. And there's a lady who is really enthusiastic or appears to be enthusiastic and says like (laughs) somebody name a safety rule and stuff. And I read that all as very, very cynical. Um, but I could see how someone might read it very earnestly. I don't know. It's an interesting thing to, to dissect, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely sort of was a very kind of like prickly when we did, originally see like the the amazon warehouse and um her interacting and like it definitely felt like amazon the savior here but it was kind of um you know there was some more i guess more context around that when she ends up losing the campground because the temp job is up and she's just like, Hey, can I stay like one or two days? I don't have, I won't use electricity. I'm I'll be fine. And they're like, Nope, it's still going to be $300 a day. And like, Amazon's not going to pay for it. And I was like, that's absolutely like disgusting, absolutely disgusting. And so like, I think there are kind of like, um, you know, there's like clues within the text of the film that sort of like indicate that it's not, you know, like add some nuance that it's not like Amazon the savior. But if you aren't already kind of like maybe picking up those ideas and like seeing the the cynicalness and like name a safety rule, because we all know how like unsafe <laughs> Amazon warehouses are and like how many people like hurt themselves, like trying to do this like impossible task of of just like turning yourself into a robot for 12 hours a day. Um, but, and that's kind of like what I was, what I was like thinking about when I, you know, told Cam like, Oh, it sucks how capitalism robs people of their dignity. It like forces people into these situations where they then have to kind of grapple with their own sense of agency where they like have to go to not quite like extreme means, but where you have to, you know, completely like uproot your life where you have to engage in, um, you know, like van life. And I'm not trying to like say that that's like a bad thing. And like, you can't get any like meaningful life experience out of, out of living out of your van and driving around and that kind of thing. Like not, not at all, but like, it's like, you know, I guess it's almost like a testament to people's resiliency, but I'm kind of upset that they have to do that in the first place. That like, an entire town just like is gone (laughs) overnight and like everybody has to leave. And like, that's just like heartbreaking. And we have people like Swanky was her name who aren't able to get the care that they need and need to um, sort of like grapple with their mortality in, in a way that, um, you know, I guess we all do, but if you had more options, if you had access to care, then you probably would make a different decision. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, kind of what I was 
or where I was coming from with that is like, I was trying to put myself in the shoes of like, okay, so I'm just like a run of the mill, like Portland liberal, or just like kind of politically not, uh, not super politically active, like general sort of centrist. Like what would I take away from the film? Cause I think we're, we're all sort of acknowledging that we are like, we're projecting our like sort of more left politics onto the film. And I think for that reason, right. I definitely also read those Amazon scenes as like cynical, but like the fact that that required this prior knowledge of like how truly fucking bad it is to work in an Amazon warehouse. That's what kind of gave me pause. Cause it's like, I don't know how common that knowledge is. I don't know how many people are like actually grappling with that knowledge and sort of applying it to their their film experience but uh either way i mean i think that's that's not really the fault of the movie it's just kind of a question i have about like what are people going to take away from this and i don't think it's like you know you need to be super explicit about every little thing in your movie like this is a very good movie and like i'm I would be remiss to sort of like criticize the the writing and directing decisions that made it what it is, but it's just some, that's kind of like the only loose end I really had after this. Cause I thought everything else in it was just really beautiful and like pretty tight storytelling, but that was just the one that kind of, I kept scratching my head. Yeah. I, I do agree with what Rebecca said at, the start that um that it sends a pretty profound message without being preachy and i think that yeah. does work in favor of the film um i think you know if you're someone like the the pleb guy that you were describing um <laughs> i think that's sort of an external factor like a film's not a more preachy version of the film i don't think would change your mind at that point i think that's just sort of a like what stage in your life are you at and how well versed in politics and knowledge of american systems i guess you're you're at at your life um i i like i 100 agree with the directorial decisions in this movie i i think it's a really unique um like there's a lot of stylistic things that i think only work in this very specific movie um like a lot of the stuff that i personally look for in a film that's just like hitting every right note for me. Um, kind of the way that like people feel very real. Um, you know, half of that I think is due to the fact that they, a lot of people are playing themselves and just sort of like the migratory nature of the story, um, how they're able to film this by sort of traveling the country and um, meeting up with these people who are from the book that it's adapted from and just filming with these real people. Um, I, I think like all of the dialogue and the conversations play out in a way that feels um, like really natural and not in the way that like, you know, w- when a movie with a script t- tries to have two actors like pretend that <laughs> that they're like ad-libbing <laughs> or whatever, like mumblecore or something. Um, like, I don't feel like this film fits into any particular style. I think everything just sort of works. Like all the pieces work together in this really perfect way. Yeah. I really love how everybody feels so real. Like, I feel like I really get a sense of like their motivations, like what, what makes them, you know, human kind of like some of their flaws that they have, like they, everyone just felt so so whole and that was just really interesting to watch this like very almost like slice of life but feel very um there was like still a lot of like forward movement there was still tension and there was still like development that happened that was just like so beautiful to watch unfold and um i really loved that there we got to see like older people i don't particularly feel like we get to see older people who are not like the people in Congress or the people who are like evil (laughs) pulling strings behind each other's backs. Like we get to just like see like regular people who've like lived a long, hard life kind of still struggling with the same things that like me as a 26 year old, like dumbass in Portland, Oregon is still struggling (laughs) with. And that was just really 
I don't know. That just felt really important and really, um, you know, like sad and probably like existential crisis and inducing like, um, but you know, I don't know. It was just, it was good shit. Yeah. I don't really feel like there's any specific target audience for this movie other than like, well, I don't even know if it would be just like Americans specifically, but I, I feel like if you're an older person watching this movie, it's sort of a message of, of solace. And if you're a younger person, it's sort of like a, a wake up call almost. I 100% agree with that. Yeah, that would, it does. It does feel yeah. like uh, like it's some kind of omen, or yeah, it's like it's telling, in a sense, you know, that like this is what this is what the system has created. Uh, I kind of the the weird thing for me to think about is like by the time we are roughly that age, like the world is going to be so different fucked yeah yeah that it's like (laughs) on the one hand it's like will this be an option but on the other hand it's like will this be the only option you know are we all gonna have this like toned down mad max type future (laughs) i hope basically i mean if we're gonna have a fucking post-apocalyptic world at least make it cool yeah i want to at least have a flamethrowing guitar in there somewhere (laughs) yeah it's i'm gonna have it i'm just kidding (laughs) I, I don't want to say that it's like an omen. I feel like it's almost more of like a mirror. Like this, this is like real. Like this is happening. Like yeah, that's definitely that's definitely Lord better. Twenty twenty one. Like this is not an omen. Like this is this is shit that we need to reckon with right now. And I think that what was so like spooky about like seeing the Amazon warehouse. Like that was just like oh, oh one thing, no. Wasn't this didn't this movie take place in two thousand eleven? Um, it was like yes. right after the, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah Okay. I just wanted to make sure. Sorry. Uh, I didn't mean to cut you off Rebecca. Oh, <laughs> Wait, no. why did you ask that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, so I was sort of thinking like, I, I, I was thinking about it a little bit and I was like, Oh, wait, this movie did take place in 2011. I, I wasn't really thinking about that, but for some reason it just sparked back to me right now. Because um, like, you know, we know well, that like yeah, shit's the, only so got. Plot- Oh, go ahead, Travis. I'm sorry. No, sorry. I was just going to clarify. I mean, the plot says it takes place in 2011, but I mean, the movie was filmed just a few years ago. So, I mean, all of the images and stuff that you're seeing are from just a few years ago. I don't I don't Mm -hmm. think enough has changed in 10, you know, lots of things change in 10 years. But I think the core message is is still fundamentally the same. Yeah. And I do think that like we're seeing more like economic collapse in other ways, you know, since yeah, right. tw- like in, in the, the past 10 one. years, like especially with the pandemic. Like, I don't think that, you know, like there, there's it feels dated in any way just because this story was supposed to be set in 2011. But yeah. Yeah, well, I guess that's the beauty of like telling a story of economic collapse or inequality is that like it's an evergreen topic in America. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm. I was, I was definitely thinking about the setting. It's so it's you know it's set ten years ago, and like I don't. I guess it's just kind of luck that it was released when it was, because uh, I mean a, a lot of those scenes where they kind of talk explicitly about the inequality like the economic despair that the basically all the nomads that like led them to that lifestyle um i thought those were just so poignant because i mean it's like the same shit that we're talking about today right i mean in oregon for example right the eviction moratorium is about to expire at the end of the month and so this it's i'm I'm having these conversations with like, what the fuck are people going to do? Like how, how is anyone going to live? And you know, the, the recovery is not here. If it ever gets here, it's not going to be, you know, in the next couple of weeks. Um, and that kind of, that was what I was thinking about with these scenes is when she goes and visits her sister and they're like out having a barbecue uh and there's like all the real estate dipshits who are just like talking about how it's like a good time to like buy shit i think man it's been 
a while since I actually watched the movie, but I think doesn't one of them say like, I just wish I had more money to like to have bought real estate, you know, after the collapse. Yeah. 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 Which is, I mean, that's such a fucking common way of looking at things. And I mean, I, I am glad that this movie at least has Fern as the main character be like, no, that's actually like a really fucked up perspective. And that like you're profiting off of basically the end of someone's life as they know it. Uh, which is, again, something that I try to explain to people. And it's like I'm speaking fucking Japanese to them. And they're just like, no, but it's a, you buy low and you sell high. And that's just what you do. And uh, so I'm glad there is like a, you know, a popular media narrative against that. Because it, it definitely feels like a losing battle when this is something I try to explain to people. Who are you speaking to specifically when you say that, Cam? It seemed a little subtweety. Me. I'm just kidding. Oh, I mean, I've, this is, yeah, C- Caleb specifically. Caleb texted me the other day and he's like, I'm going to get into real estate investment. No, no, this is like conversations I've had with family or just sort of like, you know, online, capital I O. I see, okay. Online. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's just, I don't, it just feels so disheartening, you know, to see people express basically the exact same sentiments as the as the guy in the movie of just like you know we saw it a lot in the beginning of the pandemic you know when the the stock market took a really bad turn uh and you had people being like oh this is really bad and some people being like this doesn't matter at all and other people being like this is an opportunity and it seemed like because we're talking about real estate prices because we're talking about the stock market we're not having the conversation of like these numbers actually kind of represent people's lives and like as with everything else, right. It's going to be the people at the bottom that bear the cost of, you know, whatever is happening now. Um, Which is all this to say, I really appreciate in the movie that like you have one of these people who is, you know, at least in, in the real estate sense, a capitalist who is profiting from, at that point, the 2008 financial crisis. Uh, and then you have one of the people who was, uh, who did have their life destroyed, you know, and you have them in the same room in the same backyard and you get to see that kind of borne out. Um, and I thought they did a really great job. The, I guess the actors and just the, the director did a really good job of conveying the like discomfort that like suburban dipshits feel when you bring anything like this up of just everybody kind of like makes this face and looks at the ground and like, you know, who's going to be the one to be like, Oh, well, I don't, I don't think that's true. Or oh, I, I don't think that's what's happening here. Uh, just, you know, having also experienced that plenty of times, it's funny to see it on screen. Yeah. This denial of something that's literally happening. Yeah. And specifically like the social reaction to someone talking mm-hmm. about it. I also just that like avoidance of discomfort is like the that's the goal, right? Not to not to speak or understand or kind of take stock of what Mm -hmm. has actually happened. Sorry, Rebecca, go ahead. I really like how. I mean, in addition to them, like the the suburban capitalists feeling um, uncomfortable by the conversation, but also by like her own. By like her existence, like Fern's, I guess, existence within their like little barbecue party. Like she's definitely like outsider. Her clothes are much shabbier. But like there was just like so much tension between her and everybody else, like even before they had the conversation. And I thought that was really interesting. Um, We just really got to like revel in this like class disparity um they like the the capitalists the 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 landlords they really didn't want to have her there um and that was just really interesting to see and then like especially with like her sister trying to like almost you know smooth the waters trying to like get her back into i guess like a normal society i don't know it was it was also interesting kind of like that sort of reminded me of some of the other characters that you get like that. 
I don't know, like that, that like punk kid, that like crusty <laughs> that we got to meet, um, who like had that. Oh yeah. Potentially had punk. that. What? The punk and the cowboy. Wait, his name was crusty or he was crusty. Um, he was, uh, I guess like crusty as like a subculture of like punk. Where, like, you are, you choose to be homeless because that's part of, like, your anarchist sort of, like, punk way of life. Like, we got to see these, like, sort of, like, alternative lifestyles that sort of exist outside of um, the the regular, like, hegemonic um, white picket fence life. And I thought that was interesting because like we got to actually connect with these people in a way that felt more real than just like, oh, here's an oddity like we sometimes get in, in like other portrayals. And I think, too, I mean, I, I commented on this when we were watching, but the the scene where she's driving to her sister's house and you see her like her nomad van on this suburban street with all these manicured lawns is like such an arresting scene. You're just like, Oh fuck. I forgot that there are parts of the country that look like this. It functions very similar. I think the aesthetic effect is really similar to when we see the Amazon warehouse of like, it's so weirdly like shit is all blue and like fluorescently lit in the Amazon warehouse and everything's all high tech versus, you know, the vast majority of the movie when people are, you know, drilling holes in the side of their van to like put a hinge on a cupboard to maximize storage space or whatever. And it's this very sort of like salt of the earth, you know, work with your hands type of uh, aesthetic. And, you know, very similarly, it's like when we see people, you know, drinking wine and whatever out in the suburban patio, it's like the the wealth inequality really is striking. And I think like the colors specifically, like the green of the lawn is like there was something about that. I should have gone back and watched it before recording so I could be more specific. But it's like it really did feel like the color and the lighting of just like what was going on with the cinematography in the suburbs was just really striking to me about how different it was. And especially like it's different in those scenes than when she goes and like hangs out with Dave and his family towards the end of the movie. It's like, it's, it's far less striking. And like, I don't know exactly why, but that's just something I remember from watching it that I thought was really cool. I have, I'm sort of looking at the, um, the notes that we have um, and Cam wrote a question. Let's I think Cam wrote the question and says like, who counts as homeless? And I think that's a really interesting question that is explored throughout the story where like, I think it's like pretty early on when Fern sort of like meets somebody like at like a, I don't know, like a Walmart or something. I don't know. Like there's yeah. like some sporting goods or something like that. And, she sort of like meets somebody from like, a, a, it seems like somebody from like a previous life and there's like the kids there. And then I think one of the kids asks like, Oh, are you homeless? And Fern says, no, I'm, I'm, I'm houseless. I have a home, I think is what yeah. she says. And that's really interesting to me. I think cause I've um, sort of like through some of like the, um, housing organizing that I've been doing recently and like focusing a lot on homelessness and there's been some discourse of course about should we call people who don't have like stable secure housing that they can go back to reliably is that should we call them houseless or homeless and there's like a lot there's like lots of things to be said about both i guess like both sides of the argument i think i don't really know what a good answer is here um but there are some who are like no like i am not homeless because my home is where i'm at but then other people are like no i am homeless because i'm not I don't have the dignity of having a place to call my own. And so it's really interesting, sort of like some of the more um, like nuanced differences between that. But I just kind of wanted to hear what other people had to say about like what counts as homeless. I mean, you usually associate people with being homeless with just, you know, just not having a house, you know, living in a tent, um, just not having access to a lot of things that, you know, someone with someone with a house with appliances would have all sorts of things. But 
Yeah, that is a very good question. Because, like, I mean, um, her name's Francis, right? Fern in the movie. The Fern. actress is Francis. Fern. Yeah. The actress. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, half right. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> um, Fern, like, she, she lives in a van that she, you know, decked out, customized, brought it on freaking Pit My Ride, all that stuff. And, like, <laughs> and she lives out of it, right? And she considers it her home. She, like, eats out of it. She, she poops in it. Like, all that stuff, like, and she's still considered homeless, you know? And so, like, not to, like, everyone, but, like, obviously, like some people, like, um, the people she knew in the movie, and it's just a very interesting concept that people, it's almost just, like, a label now rather than a, like, literal thing in a way, in a way, deep question. I don't have any philosophical answer, but... I feel like I've I was was taught from a young age to like to not to to like not bring up things that might be uncomfortable to people right to their face. So like um I feel like it it's just generally rude to 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 use the word homeless to a homeless person, mm-hmm. right? But I feel like it's like a, a fine term to use in like discussion of issues and such. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. I mean, and I think ultimately, you know, the answer to like who counts as like capital H homeless is like people who consider themselves homeless, which is, I mean, it doesn't have a ton of explanatory power, but, uh, and that's, that's kind of what I think about it. However, I mean, I think something is also lost in that because if you're only sort of like, applying the label to people who self-identify then you're going to be sort of like missing again you're going to be sort of missing the point of like it really doesn't matter who considers themselves homeless what matters is like are they actually choosing this life or have they been forced into it by you know the economic system that they live in um which is like, I thought that scene was really interesting where she's like, no, I'm not homeless. I just don't have a house. Um, because I guess I read this and I guess I'm interested to see if I'm alone here or if if other people picked up on this. Because I read that as sort of like, that's the story she tells herself. And I'm like, and, yeah, that's how I read it. Because I think like, you know, ultimately, again, whether she identifies self-identifies as homeless is sort of beyond the point because the point really is that she had a good life and a home and a family in this little town in Nevada and then that all went away because like someone somewhere decided well we can't make any money with this mine and processing these rocks anymore so now everybody just has to fuck off and you know live out of their van or work for Amazon or you know do something else um so I don't know. I was I I didn't know how to really I didn't know what to come away from with that scene. I, like I wasn't I wasn't sure if I was like, yeah, Fern, like you go get him or just like, oh, that's that's really sad to hear her say that. I guess it's a little of both. Yeah, I th- well, I think if there's a character who is like who who does believe that it would be Swanky. Right. Um, how she when she kind of gives the monologue about um uh about the uh the the coworker who died with the yacht in their driveway. Mm-hmm. That's the right character. Yeah, right? it was right. a sailboat. Um, it wasn't a yacht. Oh, okay. I guess that makes sense. You wouldn't have a yacht in your driveway. But um, <laughs> my comical misunderstandings of boat sizes aside, um <laughs> She feels like uh, the the character in the film over maybe most of the others who uh, does definitely feel like uh, she is at home in her van. I mean, there's lots of other people, too. Maybe uh, the, the bearded guy who does the YouTube videos and teaches people stuff at the at the campsite and um, other characters like that. But I I think Fern is is sort of more of a of a blank slate to me or, or more of like, she's not sure how she feels yet. Um, I think that's kind of her journey throughout the course of the movie. I mean, I, it kind of starts with her in 
getting her stuff out of a out of a a storage uh thing but it seems like she's been on the road for for a while before that um i'm sure if i just like read the book i would have a better understanding (laughs) um but it's not clear to me at the beginning of the film exactly how long she has been out there or how long she feels about this so yeah when we get to that scene in the sporting goods section and she tells the kid who i think she used to tutor it sounded like um she tells the kid uh yeah I'm, i'm not i'm not homeless i'm just houseless um I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what she's feeling. I think that's kind of how the movie is at that point. It's like she's not exactly sure what she thinks yet. Yeah. I mean, I think that's fair because I think that's, if I'm remembering correctly, that's like really early in the movie. That's like when she's, I think, initially. Yeah, it's one of the first scenes. Yeah, right. It's when she's leaving, like right after collecting her stuff from the, the storage shed. Because um, I think it's later when she goes to the like the rendezvous with all the Bob Wells rv people that's to me anyways it's when i started feeling like fern is really coming to grips with this lifestyle and it is becoming this sort of like beautiful you know independent thing which is why it's i think just such a kick in the nuts when like immediately after that is basically when we have the scene with swanky uh and she you know kind of lays it all out for fern and then i think in there as well is like and I might be misremembering when this is in the movie, but there, I think that's also when uh, when Fern, like when her tummy gets to the rumblies and she has to like run into her van and like shit in a bucket. Am I? So yeah, is yeah that, it must yeah, be. It was like all she hangs out with, it's just her and Swanky for a few scenes because the whole, the whole group takes off and Fern doesn't right. for some reason. And, and Swanky has also there. pirate flag. Yeah, our pirate flag. Yeah. But anyways, and I'm also glad that, like, somebody acknowledged, like, what do you do with your feces if you live in a van? Because, you know, that really should be the question you always ask about, like, any living situation. Uh, Right. You can go on YouTube and you can watch, like, van life videos and be like, oh, I want to live in a van. But then you remember, like, wait, where am I going to, like, Wait, I have to take a shit later. Where am I going to shower? Yeah, right. And like, yeah, if you don't believe me, watch the Firefest documentary, because uh, that was something nobody thought of there, and we Whoops. all know how that went. Poop everywhere. Yeah, everybody's <laughs> covered in human feces. Um, I had another thing to say about the scene at her sister's house that I totally blanked when we were talking about it, but Rebecca, you referenced this there's the point where, like, I think it's after she kind of has this, like, this argument with her brother-in-law about whether real estate is bad, actually. Uh, I think she, like, goes to her room to go, like, you know, remove herself from the situation. And then her sister comes and, like, comforts her and then is like, you know, you can stay here. Like, you can live with us. And uh, and Fern is like, no, I can't live here. And, like, I also don't want to live here. Um, and I thought that was a really interesting scene for a lot of reasons. I mean, first of all, I think it, it kind of goes to show that like these individual acts of charity are not really a solution to this stuff. What Uh, do you mean by individual acts of charity? Like something like her sister being like, oh, you can just live with us. Like you can stay in our guest room and you know, that's, that's where you can live because like one, she doesn't see van life as valid. Mm. Um, Cause I think also somebody was like, Oh, you know, we all, we can't all just like pick up and like leave everything behind. And she like yells at them. Cause she's like, is that what you think I did? Cause I mean, it's like obviously not what she did. Yeah. Um, and then of course it's like, it still asks the question of like, okay, well what about, everybody who doesn't have a sister who has a bunch of fucking money because of real estate, you know? And it's just, and so I'm kind of glad that that wasn't, or that it was rejected outright in the way it was. It wasn't just like, Oh, thanks. That means a lot, but you know, ah, shucks, I can't do it. It was like, no, I don't want this. And like, I don't want this for myself. Uh, Cause I think that's also something that, that people don't realize about, I mean, about homeless people, but really about poor people. 
across the board is that like they are people who have agency and who are capable of making decisions and and like not everybody wants this charity because it is an affront to their dignity um so I, I just I don't know, I thought it was an I thought it was interesting and then I'm I'm glad she left and kind of found her own way and went and hung out with Dave. Fucking Dave. I was so mad at him when he dropped the plates. Oh my oh, god. Fuck. I was like so inc- I was so mad. I was like, he needs to leave. <laughs> he needs to leave forever. <laughs> just get the hell out of here, Dave. Get out of my face. <laughs> fuck you, Dave. Fuck you. Just kidding. I mean a little bit I guess that is another criticism that I have that I felt like Dave just was so boring like why why would he I don't know I feel like he just he was so boring I feel like they could have jazzed him up a little bit I kind of liked that Dave was boring I mean and I think I like that the movie doesn't try to make him something he's not because I think it would have been easy for the movie to be like, oh, he's the love interest and he's going to like solve these problems for Fern or whatever. And like, in a way he kind of does with those ending scenes where she's like hanging out with like his family. And that's like, you know, this, this introspective moment where he's sort of deciding whether or not he's going to continue living out of a van and that being like a mirror for Fern. But I think throughout he's depicted as like kind of a dipshit, and then also just like a normal dude. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I, I don't know. I think I would have had more. Didn't he have more. like a fail son? No, he had a success son. He's a fail dad. Oh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I could I can remember how, what happened in that scene. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I think I would have taken more issue with it if he was presented as some kind of like hero or savior figure. I think... I like that it, he was a moron who just was kind of at the right place at the right time. Because mm-hmm. I yeah. think so much of this movie feels so genuine and like that really does too. It's like maybe he's not like the exact right person, but he's like, he's around and he's like, he's what you got. And like, that's how, you know, so certain friendships kind of form and continue, which I thought was, I thought it was interesting. I thought it was a fun part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I, I like I understand that, but I don't know. I'm just like very tired of very mediocre <laughs> men that like take up space and like break prize possessions of you and you still like keep them around. I don't know. Just Okay, her cardboard box like didn't have a bottom though. I I don't know what happened there. I, I She can't told put him to stop on. helping. Uh, yeah. Why does everyone hate Kevin so much? <laughs> I mean, Oh wait! Yeah, leave Kevin alone. I feel like she could have grabbed the box just as well, and they all would have fallen out the bottom too. I don't know. But maybe she knew that it was a fucked up box, and that's why she told him to leave in the first place. She put it on the side of the seat, so she could easily take it out of the car. Yeah, I mean, I think also there's like the difference of you breaking a prized possession and somebody else breaking it. Yeah, that's very true. Because like, like, I mean. It sucks when you do it, but it's a yeah. lot worse if someone else does it. But I guess like one one big thing, um, I guess another, not necessarily an existential crisis, but like a really impactful part of the movie for me was, um, I think it was that conversation that she was having with Bob Wells. And it oh, was... when he talks about his son. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was very sad. Yeah, and it was just very like... I don't know it just i was watching it and i just you know I, I just sort of felt like i was listening to him tell me how to live life too but like it was just very real and very just heartbreaking and not only was it to emphasize real i actually looked up um some stuff about the movie and like not realizing that bob wells is actually a real person i didn't know that um and I guess this was like really the first time he told anyone that wasn't like family or so about it. And um, so he's telling this to a camera for a movie. And I thought that was like even more impactful and made me even more sad knowing this is an actual situation that happened in like, 
and wasn't just fake and or like for a movie because watching this movie i didn't know any of these people were also real people that were playing themselves um i thought they were you know all actors or whatever but yeah it was just like even more impactful after reading like these people were real bob is real like all the other nomads and stuff and yeah it was just really interesting and he was even saying that like he felt a really good closure that he's never been able to really feel before after talking about it in the movie and such and it was uh it's kind of nice to read about i it made me happy <laughs> but yeah it was a very well, sweet well, seems and like a sad scene seems like a good guy i'm glad he's doing okay he's just you know caring for people and trying to create communities of people who are going probably through Situ similar situation especially like fern in the movie anyways and yeah it just seemed like good to be around like i like if especially if i was in that situation if i was in her shoes like finding out about this would be great for someone like me like i would love that i i really enjoyed that scene of the movie in particular that's another one that stuck with me quite hard <laughs> yeah no, I totally agree. And I think, you know, that scene and Swanky's monologue, I think that it gets to like this really big, I mean, ultimately unanswered question of the movie of like, what, like what is, what are you trying to do with your life? You know, because Swanky has this whole discussion of like, you know, how profound her experience was, uh, you know, seeing the nesting swallows when she's like out kayaking uh, and just, you know, talking about all the things that she's seen and like that being the reason that she's not really afraid of dying or she's, you know, feels somewhat ready mm -hmm. to go. Um, and I think Bob Wells, you know, get that scene gets to a, a similar sort of question in a more roundabout way, but ultimately is like, you know, he's found meaning in, you know, providing community and kind of giving people this uh, this lifeline that they otherwise wouldn't have had. Um, and I think that's contrasted so well in the movie with like people and entities that are concerned with, you know, succeeding in the, the world of capitalism. Right. That being Amazon and uh and her brother-in-law and her sister. And then to a lesser extent as well, the campground. Because uh, that was such a sad scene, right? Of like her basically getting kicked out for really no good reason. Like it didn't seem like the campground was full and they could have just like let her hang around. But, you know, because the rules say that you have to pay this much to occupy this space for X amount of time, you know, that's like, you know, she's got to fuck off and figure herself out. And, you know, I think that's actually the impetus for her going to the rendezvous with all of the, the Bob Wells people. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was just something the movie did really, really well was showing, you know, what is important, you know, specifically for Fern, but also on a meta level of like, what are we here to do? Versus like, what are we told we need to do? And like, what does the world force us to do? What do capitalists force us to do? Um, and I mean, I think you get a little bit more of that with, with family towards the end with, with Dave and his grandkids. But uh... I think it's just one grandkid. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Well, his kids and extended family and grandchild. They're just running in and out of the frame really fast. So you think there's lots of... <laughs> yeah, exactly. The baby. The baby's running. Oh, was it a baby? It was a baby, yeah. Yeah. Wait, so Dave was... Who was Dave to Fern again in the movie? He was just like a friend, right? But like trying to hint at maybe like a potential uh, yeah. love interest, right? Yeah, because I think they first meet at the rendezvous with like the free pile and she's like, takes a can opener, I believe is what it is. Cause he has like a million can openers. Right. Yeah. And she grabs one and he's like, Oh, actually you want this one. That one's broken. Which Dave begs the Don't question, why the would you pile. put it on the free pile? Um, and then I think, 
he is also there when they're at that bar, uh, like kind of at the end of the rendezvous scene and they like dance for a little bit. Yeah. I think that's Dave. I don't remember if it's mm-hmm. him. It is yes, I remember okay, okay. Yeah. And then, then he shows up at Badlands and, you know, breaks her plates and stuff. <laughs> Does the Dave moment has a fucking yeah, Dave moment? Certified in Dave the moment in the Badlands. <laughs> Dave in the Badlands. <laughs> I had like weird anxiety moments in this film as well. Like I, I don't know why this happens. <laughs> Where like in Portrait of a Lady on Fire, I was like convinced somebody was gonna fall down the stairs. Um, but in in. <laughs> I was like waiting for the other shoe to drop. It was too perfect. Um, in this in this one, I was really worried she was gonna get like lost in the Badlands. Like you know when she just like runs off into the oh yeah, I thought maze. that too. I was like, oh god, she's just gonna get stuck out here. It's gonna turn into some like turns into a survival film. Yeah, <laughs> and I did not want that. Yeah, it turns into like 127 hours. Holy shit! Fern cuts off her own hand. Yeah. Right. Awful. No. <laughs> she said, ah. Would have had to change the movie to Nomad Hand. <laughs> hey. Thanks, I'll be I'll be here all week. Um Yeah, I have a question in the notes actually that we skipped over, but I think unless other people have any like pressing thoughts might be a good way to, to wrap up here. So I guess I'll pause now. Does anyone have anything more they want to say before we start wrapping up? I think I said everything I wanted to say about the film personally. Um, But the film was very, very, very good and means a lot to me. And I'm really glad you recommended this, Travis, because I've been thinking about it nonstop since I watched it. So I highly recommend it. So what I'm hearing from you is that it deserved best movie of 2020, the Oscars. Because that's, that's the question I had. No, it's... Yeah, uh, that's what I said. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it won. And I'm just asking if, like, do we think it was deserved? Did we like it better than... I mean, specifically Sound of Metal, because I think that was also yeah, a nominee. I, I don't know if I saw all of the Best Picture nominees. I think I surprisingly saw more than I than I thought I did. I would have to look them up. But, but no, I think it's, like, in my in my... I don't have like a like a literal list of like movie criteria or whatever that mm. I that I look through, but like just on an emotional level, I felt like this was a pretty perfect film. If I gave films stars, I would give it five stars, <laughs> and that would be a very rare designation. <laughs> um, yeah, would you give star uh, films instead of stars? Well, would I give them instead of stars? Glibs. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? No, like, like if I thought of things in that in that sense, I mean, Travis, I feel like you have spoken in terms of stars or at least like numbers out of five. No, I try really hard not to do that. Five hot dogs out of five. (laughs) (laughs) Unless I was just joking. I don't know. Maybe that might have been it. I don't even remember when this was, but I feel like we talked about at some point how. How to get like the full rating, the maximum rating mm-hmm. there had to be like some element. I don't remember. Well, there definitely is... wouldn't be any sort of a defined criteria because like I said, it's just an instinctual thing. That's that's how the yeah. five stars okay, get so assigned just... by instinct, by pure the, instinct. The fifth, star, the fifth star is vibes. Yeah, the fifth star <laughs> is vibes. Um, there is just a lot of stylistic filmmaking going on in this movie that I think is to me it's like this is how every movie should be made i know that doesn't literally make any sense but you know it's (laughs) i I, it's nice i think to see just a lot of those sort of peaceful idyllic moments when she's driving along and you've got the the piano soundtrack and the shots of the u.s landscape that are really beautiful and you can just sort of think about the shit that happened in the last couple of scenes and there's no like dumb CGI buildings or whatever. It's just like this is real life and a lot of the people are are real, which is not like you know, I like I was trying to say earlier, I think there's just like there's a sense of of realness that is captured 
pretty much like lightning in a bottle, I think. Um, not to like take away credit from the director, because I've seen one of her other films, The Writer, and um, she's just really, really good at like capturing vibes between people, like capturing what a person, like the essence of a person without it feeling like they are just delivering lines from a script, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Um, that was just, that was what made me feel really immersed in this movie, felt really good about seeing it and felt like it was a really refreshing take on film without being like so divergent that it was distracting or anything. Like it just, it definitely feels like a, a traditional movie in most aspects, but like it's just hitting all the right notes for me. And I think it might be like a time and place thing too. Like it is very prescient and the, the stuff that the movie has to say does matter a lot specifically right now. Yeah. I mean, I would have to agree. I think, uh, I mean, yeah, Travis, I think you basically said, most of what I have to say of like the, it is like that emotional genuine feeling that I think really does it for me is like, I can still see like that, like super close up of Swanky's face when she's like talking to Fern and, you know, explaining her situation. I mean, that's stuck with me, you know, in the several weeks it's been since I actually watched the movie. <laughs> Same actually. That's but, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a very, it's such an impactful scene that I, I mean, I think it's, yeah, it's just, it's really good. Um, yeah. And I mean, I think as much as I liked Sound of Metal, like I really got to give it to Nomadland. I do think this is the better movie. And I think, you know, had the awards been reversed, uh, I think I would probably be sitting here talking about how Nomadland got robbed. So Props to the Academy, I guess, for not doing that. If Nomadland uh, had Rebecca. won Best Sound Design instead of Sound Design. Yeah, right. Exactly. I also Sorry. agree that it was the better, the better film. I, again, did not watch very many this year. Normally, I, I do get around to seeing several of the Oscar nominations just because I like to, you know understand what's happening in the culture a little bit but i do think it was better than sound of metal and yeah it was a damn good film so, mm -hmm. yeah big ups to travis for having us watch this seriously um and i'd uh, also like to say one thing it's like i personally on a personal level um think that sound of metal i like a little bit more than this film but at, um, with that being said, I still very much enjoyed this film and think it's a near perfect film as well. But Sound of Metal just resonated a little bit more for me. Um, even if I were to like say why I like it a little bit better, but um, still, I definitely recommend this movie a lot. And it was what one of the better films I've seen this year, that's for sure. <laughs> so I, I really enjoyed this and I'm glad I that Travis recommended this film. Yeah. Well, Caleb, speaking of good films you've seen this year, you have recommended us our next subject. So what are we going to watch next? Wait, didn't you have like a question or something? Me? Who, no, me? Cam. I thought Cam said that he had one it last was... thing for us. Yeah, that was the, it was it better than the sound? That was the question. Metal? Oh, okay. Was, did okay. it deserve, do <laughs> you think it deserved to win best okay. picture over sound of metal? No, 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 no. All right, that was. It. I have a question for both of you. Transitions oh. in the fucking. I have, okay. <laughs> I have a question for all of you, involving yeah. this film. Oh, okay. okay. Uh -huh. What would you do <laughs> if Batman and the Green okay. Goblin came into one okay. area? Okay. On the northeast, in a lighthouse. Damn it! No, I'm just <laughs> what? <laughs> I was just gonna say what. <laughs> You get the lighthouse. <laughs> you ruined okay. your own question. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, film? what would you get? And then I was like, damn it. <laughs> anyway, said the lighthouse. Name. That was the title <laughs> drop. Yep. Yeah. So hopefully from that, dear listener, you've you've gleaned that we are going to watch the lighthouse. No, they, they would have exited the podcast by that. <laughs> yeah, they, they turned it off and so discussed. They, they were like, uh, well... 
that's it for this episode, I think. So where can where can our listeners watch the lighthouse? Did you say the where lighthouse? Is it, just, is it is it lighthouse or the lighthouse? The lighthouse. Uh, you can watch it okay. if you have an Amazon Prime account. It is uh, free on Prime, and I'm sure it's free or not. I'm sure it's streaming on other streaming services as well. But that's where I watched it. So <laughs> follow up Nomadland by subscribing to Amazon Prime to watch the lighthouse. <laughs> That's right. Keep the ferns of the world employed by watching The Lighthouse on Amazon Prime. Uh, so, great. Good episode, folks. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, if you want to hear more of what we have to say, you can go to our website, motionpicturepals.com. From there, you can go to our Twitter and follow us. You can also subscribe to our Substack so you can get new episodes directly into your email. And I hope you will join us in a couple weeks when we talk about The Lighthouse. Goodbye! Just enjoy the movie, it's not Citizen Kane.